it's coming. Anyway, um, we're glad that you're here this morning, blessed that you're here, and you'll be blessed that you're here. Uh, we have had a, a, the Art of Hearing God has been going on this weekend, and uh, Rob Mazza, his wife Katie, are here, and uh, it's, just, it's great to see them again. Came and sat in on, on uh, classes yesterday, and uh, again, just was stirred of, of how faithful God is is to us if we just give him half a chance and and how cooperative i can be with what he already is doing and wants to do and i asked rob if he's got voice left he's been in a marathon the last couple of days but i asked him if he would speak this morning and just blessed in his response encouraged in his response and so rob if you want to come thank you for being here in this weekend uh and uh for all that you gave we appreciate it. There's all after this. There's like heaven. Yeah. So this is Rob Mazza. Welcome him. Uh, hey, hey, hey! I got to do something. <laughs> <laughs> I love going to different countries and the the interesting weirdness of culture. Of course, you know, we're pretty weird ourselves in our own culture. Um, boy, what a weekend. Uh, in case you don't know, the Art of Hearing God is like this insane marathon. It, I, I probably motor mouth for 24 hours from a Thursday night and, and through Saturday, and then everybody wants prayer. And, uh, and then, so I'm, uh, the Art of Hearing God comes from Streams Ministries. John Paul Jackson is the founder, and it, it came out of a burden of his heart. Um, incidentally, he has incredible, ah, uh, what do you call? Incredible vineyard DNA. He's very close to John Wimber and was with John Wimber, probably spent the most time with John Wimber at, when he was at his deathbed. So there's all these rumors going on what rested on John Paul Jackson. So I'm very happy to be part of Streams Ministry, ordained under it for the last 10 years. I'm a teacher there. And uh, the big passion of the art of hearing God, which is kind of how Tom and I connected, uh, is it's John Paul's 20 years of mistakes in a highly revelatory ministry. And he's very uh, passionate about gifting has to take way way, way much a subset over character. Character is over gifting. What you project, what you carry of the presence of the Lord, the, 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 the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the, all the wonderful intangibles and tangibles about God, the love of God, has to far outshine the things he's given. And... Uh, 
we're really serious as a heart attack of uh, reestablishing the balance of the nature of God and how it's expressed in his people and how it's needed. We don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. We know that there's been a lot of crazy mistakes made with gifting. Um, but we also know that uh, it's absolutely part of the gospel with signs following. You can't help but have it. It leaks out of you. Um, and so that brings me, uh, I should tell you a little bit about, of our, about ourselves. Katie and I, there's Katie, my faithful partner in life. We've been married 30 years. It's a good start. Uh, <laughs> no, don't come to us for counseling. We're still learning. Uh, we live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Uh, been there the last five years. Uh, we live in John Sanford company, uh, country, Elijah House. We're, we're about ready to jump on board. There's this strange marriage of streams and Elijah House developing, and it all makes sense to us. Um, we go to John Sanford's home group, and it's beginning to affect our DNA. Um, it's beginning to realize that uh, Christians have deep problems, but they're not insurmountable. And uh, for me, one thing leads to another. One thing leads to another. One thing leads to another. I'm really into the complexity of God. So why am I here in Reno? I'm here in Reno because of a little thing that happened uh, it, God kind of tricked me. Um, I was in the prophetic movement in my church. I was in an Assemblies of, jo of God church in 2002. And they were having me teach prophetic people and work with intercessors. And only because I was the guy that knew a little something. Which is a dangerous thing. But the pastor trusted me and I worked with him. And I got, it was about 2002, and I'm really, really bored, and I'm being honest with God. You know, prayer is really being honest with God. It's conversation honest with God. You, you know, read through the Psalms how honest, how gut honest David was. He was called a man after God's heart. And he's just very honest. And I'm being honest with God. I'm bored. I don't know what I'm doing, and I need, this is not what I was made for just to be uh, a talking head in the place of the prophetic or something. What? What is going on? So I got online and I looked up randomly John Paul Jackson and I saw they sent a group of people to the 2002 Olympics. They went into a coffee house, uh, uh, Starbucks, and they interpreted the dreams of 150 people, mostly pre-Christian. And I said, I want in. I don't care what it costs. So within a year, I took the courses. I was leading six people in both, at the time I was living in Bozeman, Montana. And we were encountering the culture. We were deep in the heart of the new age, listening to their dreams and finding out where God was landing in their dreams and then telling them something about the good news of Jesus at some level or another. We had witches. We had Jehovah Witnesses. And we always had a table of Christians praying against us because they did not 
understand in 2002, 2003, that Jesus doesn't always show up in the package we expect him to. History doesn't change. And history repeats itself. I mean, I'm one of those that I, I would almost rather be with the new age because I understand, I've learned to understand their hunger and ignore their weirdness. And you know what? That's precisely where Jesus finds himself. He's so attracted to brokenness and hunger. He's perfectly willing. Isn't that how you got saved? He ignored your weirdness and your brokenness and went right for that spot, no matter how dim. Went right for your hunger and found you. So, I'm telling a long story to get you to hear. In 2004, John Paul came up with this wild idea with my friend Reese. He says, why don't you guys go to Burning Man? And we're going, Burning what? He goes, Burning Man, I read about it. And uh, we said, uh, well, you can't say no to John Paul because he go, he'll, he'll look at you like, why did you sign up? I mean, that's the nature of Streams Ministries is you took the red pill. Remember the Matrix? Anybody see the Matrix? <laughs> you took the red pill, man. You're not going back to where you used to be ever again. And so we could never say no to the weirdest things. So we said, okay, <laughs> what's it going to cost? <laughs> and John Paul said, well, never mind. <laughs> you don't even ask the cost, you know. So we went with a team of six, and we partnered with a guy from uh, International House of Prayer. His name is Randy Bolander, and we started handing out like 10,000 bottles of water with them. Only his idea was, you guys set up a tent and you can do spiritual readings, which is really give them prophetic words in non-religious language, very gently, very kindly. You guys are really good at manifesting love to the weird. <laughs> Again, overlooking the weirdness and going for the hunger. And then do dream interpretations. And we said, fine. And that became a love affair. Our, our first year, 50% of the people were either witches trying to derail us, warlocks trying to put a curse on us, um, people with multiple personalities, people with satanic ritual abuse, which they're pretty fragmented internally, um, we had people paint, they were naked, painted totally blue, green, and yellow were the preferred colors. And we found out that people naked painted all in one color, they didn't tend to come out of character. I, I can't explain these things, I'm just telling you like it is, I just can't explain. Um, we had people that were just totally uncooperative, that's about 50% of them, and for two years we had and then we had the other half that were totally hungry that would say, who are you people? You're... In fact, the second year I had somebody come up to me and says, you're back again, and pardon my veiled language, but he comes up to us, he goes, you guys are back again. 
you're no effing joke. See, they had this opinion of the church that we're irrelevant, we're a joke, we're judgmental, we're hateful, we're not flexible, we're not creative, and we're just not nice. So we went through these two years of testing with, with some great people that were responsive and some weren't. And then I used to go around the churches saying, oh, the devil really tested us hard those first two years. I mean, it was rough. I mean, we really had to pay the price. And then maybe about four years ago, the Lord stopped me. He goes, would you quit giving credit to the devil? He goes, I sent them your way to see if you were worthy of a generation that the church couldn't reach. And I go, oh my God. Perspective. We just don't see it like God does. You know, when we went to Burning Man, even John Paul said, well, I'm sending you in there, but I doubt if you can reach more than two people. They're just too far gone. They're too reprobate. Well, thanks for the vote of confidence, prophet. <laughs> you know, um, and we came back actually saying, "No, John Paul, actually, with the right heart and the tools, the gifts, but the heart has to be right first. Um, it works. We are now on our eighth year. We have a team of forty. Um, we 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 owe a lot of thanks to many people here. Some of you have contributed." Some of you have picked up some of our team of 40 from the airport. Um, we owe the First Nations a lot of thanks. They taught us the art of protocol, which became a, a, a whole expansive thing, how to honor cultures, even honor cult leaders and cultures that you don't agree with simply because they have authority in their organizations, how to come in low and say, ma'am, sir, we would like permission to speak to your people, and we would gift them classic Native American honor. And we can't thank them enough for taking us under their wing and teaching us something so kingdom. Um, I am really fried. <laughs> I'm so fried on God right now. Uh, not just physically, I want to say something before I launch into a sort of a message. I, I you know, I do this uh, right brain kind of poetic thing when I do messages. They're sort of all over the place. But one thing I got to say about this this location, and it really reflects on what Tom's sewn here and his wife. Uh, when I came in here, I felt like this, there was just such incredible weight in this room. I could really feel the presence of the Lord. And when you feel, in my mind, when I feel the presence of the Lord and weight, it means it's going to get very multidimensional. Um, let me explain that. In, in a lineal mindset, a Greek mindset, and we are very Western and very Greek mindset, we tend to think of, oh, well, there's Holy Spirit and Jesus and God, and everything gets lineal. First you do this, and then you do that. First you get saved, and then you tithe, and then you become a church member, and then you go to a home group. Or, you know, we have, this, we have to have ten steps. Hebraic mindset is like a bunch of rabbis sitting around this incredible diamond, and each rabbi looks at the colors, and they say, I see red. 
Red is the color of the anointing and the wisdom of God. And everyone goes, Amen. Holy, holy, holy. And then another rabbi, and he, 180 degrees opposite this magnificent diamond called God, says, I see green. Green is growth and prosperity. And they all go, holy, holy, holy. And it's all happening simultaneously. That's the depths of God. That's what's been planted here. There is an incredible uh, um, desire and push of the Spirit to see God in multiple dimensions. Like, do you know what you have here? You, and you may not have entered into all those dimensions. Um, it's described in Ephesians as how God wants to see the church, the variegated, multicolored wisdom of God manifest to absolutely confound the enemy but amaze the world. And I'm very much paraphrasing that scripture in Ephesians, but literally that is what the heart of it is. So uh, it was so heavy here. I think we went through, did we go through like five boxes of Kleenex? <laughs> I've never seen anything like that. And I've taught this class a lot of time. I'm, a, I'm very much a mercy gift that goes by feeling and, and you know, my head has to follow. So I, I'm very much pay attention to why are people crying through 24 hours of teaching? You know, God, what are you doing to us? Why are you breaking up so much fallow ground? In, and if you're breaking up fallow ground, what are you trying to plant? Always ask questions. Always ask questions. We're much more spiritual than we've, we think we are. Um, Tom alluded to light that made mention. One of the secrets of Burning Man is we began to rethink evangelism. I've, I've had this... Uh, Oh, this 25, no, 20-year argument with God. I came out of what was, it wasn't even called New Age then, but I got saved by a series, uh, uh, very much a series of God encounters that led me to the moment of salvation, what you want to call born again or being saved. It's fine. I'm fine with that language. But... I wasn't led to the Lord by someone trying to do a lineal, where would you go today if you died? You know, there, or the four spiritual laws, I would just look at people and go, you're going to come at me with an intellectual argument when I need a supernatural slam from God. Well, guess what? The culture is hardwired that way again. I had to have God experiences. I had to be preloaded with Christ before I actually said, I think I'll join. And then when I joined, my attitude was, where's the miracles? Where's the intensity? Where's the weight of God? Where's the understanding of how suffering plays into spirituality? I, I couldn't take the light gospel. That's why I got into that dilemma in 2002. Oh, God, I have to have more. You know, because I was hardwired for passion. I was hardwired 
not only for supernatural, but for God who plummeted the depths of the depths, you know. Turn to John uh, 14, 6. Some of you are relieved I'm getting to a scripture. I spend a lot of time in home groups, so I'm like, you know, that's sort of, I'm, I'm sort of wired that way. Three hours is a short meeting. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to try to quit on time here. Uh, let me just start with verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's heart, house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also and where you go and where I go you know and the way you know Thomas said to him we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way right you know these are the brilliant bunch Jesus decided to bring along with him just like you and me <laughs> right <laughs> and and they had the benefit of hanging out with them, you know. I don't know at what period in the three-year ministry they were doing it, but they had this benefit of hanging out with them. So Jesus says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now the Lord, some years ago, arrested me on that. You know, we've been going to New Age conventions. We've been doing street ministry. We've been... I've been hugging witches with a father heart blessing and absolutely destroying their paradigm of hatred for men. And they began to get a picture of Daddy God. And I've been doing all these weird things. And suddenly I looked at that scripture and I said, I know what is wrong now. I, it, it came to me, the Lord started speaking to me. He says, you know what happened to the church? He goes, they so began to concentrate on truth to codify it to make it rigid this is the only way you do deliverance this is the only way you get educated and growing up this is the only way you get somebody saved and they began to so make things rigid I mean let's face it when I got saved I said to the Lord I got saved for this kind of music when I was in this creative world where rock and roll was pushing the boundaries. And it's, it's beginning to get better now. Actually, it's getting quite a bit better. But for so long, I go, we serve creator God. Where's the disconnect? Right? So what came to me was we have so got religious, and I know that's offensive word and whatnot, we've so gotten religious about things, 
things must be this way. Things must be, oh, according to our doctrine. We don't, we raise our hands three quarters because if you go this far, you're probably radical or, you know, or, you know, I learned to minister in the vineyard style and it's always land hand lightly on the shoulder and that was fine. But then the Lord started telling me, uh, no, actually the laying on of hands is quite bigger than you think it is. And then I, so I told this crazy story the other day where I'm usually try not to be overly weird. But then I know a side of God that's really weird, you know, like the Jesus that spit in the mud and did that. And I don't recommend you doing that. But I remember ministering to a young lady that had father wounds that was really broken. And usually I do it very sanely according to truth. Like, oh, can I talk to you? And then maybe gain her trust. And then I'll do a father's blessing or something. And that's weird enough for most people. But that day the Lord says, Rob, pick her up, throw her over your shoulders, twirl her around, and set her down. (laughs) And I'm going, Lord... My credibility level is like really low at times. People like me, and I work hard to get respect with pastors. I really have a lot of coffee with them, and you know. Well, guess what? That one little act of the Spirit just dismantled a lot of pain, and I cannot explain it in a lineal fashion. All I know was she comes back to me a week later. She goes, you don't know what you did to me. And I'm going, you're right. I don't know what you did to you. (laughs) But years of bitterness fell off because I had a dad that never touched me or played with me. And then I saw her like a couple years ago and I met her husband-to-be and all of a sudden I see a healthy, blossoming woman that is quite prepared to receive a man. And I'm going, oh my God. So I think one of the disconnects we've had is we've so embraced. Now, I believe there's truth. I believe God has truth, but it has to be seen through the lens and the heart of God. And too often, we as people have decided this far and no further, this is the way it has to look up, look at. And if it looks a different way, somehow we say, just like the New Age, somehow we say, no, pierced, tattooed, naked, we don't want it. And we miss the essence. We miss the essence. So what the Lord said to me, he goes, my people have forsaken the way and decided they will settle on the truth and so they never enter into life. My people have forsaken the way. They do not understand the way. They've embraced a perceived truth and therefore they never become life givers. My latest message to young people, and actually any, any age group right now, but I'm really focusing on the 20s, something that says, you have to get off your infatuation with eternal youth because us stupid 50-year-olds are still acting like 20-year-olds. And God is looking for mothers and fathers in the culture. 
And I'm challenging you 20-year-olds to grow up and start, to start ahead of time thinking of yourself as life givers. And, and I'm going to go into the way to how to get there, but I'm you know, jumping ahead here. We had fairly older people this weekend, and I'm going, great, Lord, I'm going to just, I'm going to shove this down their throat. You are the mothers and fathers of the culture. Say yes if you don't even feel it. <laughs> because the culture is a bleeding hole of motherlessness and fatherlessness. And it's, if the foundations are not there, what shall the righteous do? Name a system that's not broken. And go back to the roots of it, and I'll dare tell you, it's the destruction of a mother and a father as, the, as a solidifying unit to represent Jesus in the culture. Whether it's in a business, whether it's in a school, whether it's just in the home family unit. We go to Burning Man, and I challenged my team. I said, this is about five years ago, I said, listen... We're having fun here. We're seeing signs and wonders and miracles, some salvations, all kinds of stuff. But the real deal is you are the mothers and fathers of the playa. Start projecting it. Start acting it. You know what started happening? We set these people with a team of three, and we talk to them, and you know, we'll maybe give them veiled language, encouraging words, do a dream, hold them, just listen to them. They get so slammed by God, so touched by God. No lie, 90% tears, they walk out. Some of the strangest people on the planet. People you wouldn't imagine. They 90% come out with tears. But then, I'll wait for them in the waiting room, and as a father, they'll come up to me, and they'll form a line, and they'll go, what just happened there? What was that? You know, they'll pray for him and they'll just fall out in the spirit and we don't tell them what, you know, we, didn't have, we never taught them that people fall down sometimes when you pray for them. We never taught them to raise their hands when they're getting affected by God. We'll be just doing gentle things like, spirit, come, touch them, and they're like this. And I'm going, oh my God, how wide open this is. But they don't have any grid. So they're coming back to us and they're sitting with me as a father and they're going, can you tell me how that works? And I go, yes, I can. And now we're in the place of what is the way? How did we get there? Let me explain some dynamics for you. The way means, the way is a path, a road, a way to get from here to there, a destination point. A way has waypoints, uh, points of demarcation that you know you're getting somewhere. The sign says, you know, Reno, 100 miles, you know you're getting closer. 50 miles, you know you're getting closer. 10 miles, you know you're getting closer. And what they were looking for is, okay, we had the slam-bam wonderful experience with your God. Would you please explain it to us now? Yes, I will. So I have pet subjects like, can I tell you the difference between spirit, soul, and body? That's how it works in our paradigm. I never say I'm a Christian, but I will say I'm a follower of Jesus. 
And in my paradigm, we have an understanding of spirit, soul, and body. So let me explain it to you. Or they'll ask a question, how come God is not a woman? That really ticks us off. <laughs> I go, I understand that. And I go, actually, let me take you through some of the feminine aspects of God. Let me take you through some of the language in the Bible that says God is nurturing. He carries us like a, a, a hen carries its young. Even the Apostle Paul says, you know, I, I will travail again till I birth you. That's a feminine portion of God. And you know what? Practicing this, this dialing down, this, this coming, they begin to, oh yeah, wow, that's truth. Wow, that's life-giving. Let me take it in another direction. Um, a lot of people, when they first wanted to go to, into extreme outreaches with us, and we start off people in coffee shops or say, try this stuff in your business, right? And, you know, I, I, I work with soccer moms, too. I was working with a bunch of women that um, go to um, a farmer's market, and they were going, what can we do in a farmer's market? And, you know, so I said, you know, how about Mama Cassie's revelatory cookies? Or, you know, Mama Cassie's uh, mystic cookies, and let's brainstorm. Let's think of something weird. And uh, so, you're nice ladies, just wear aprons and sell cookies. And then I said, okay, so how can we integrate the way? Because I don't want them saying, you're a sinner, do you know Jesus? It would straighten your life out right away. You know, and all of them, it's this funny thing is once we see a little bit of hunger, we want to bring them into the kingdom. And what happens is if you manage to get them to say yes to Jesus, usually they're stillborn, and they sit on the front pew and they drool for 20, 30 years because they've never been fully brought to the birth and then nurtured. So we began to teach our team little things like, here's my favorite teaching. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Right? Jesus is the light of the world, but then he says, oh, by the way, you guys are the light of the world. So I love to challenge our students and our trainees. I go, so what does that mean? Do you know, think about light, meditate, right? Part of our nature of Christians is to meditate on things. So Jesus, original source, we, we turn to the first John. It has all these wonderful things about Jesus as light, as life, as spirit, as love. God is love. Essential things, I call them. These are the four essential things you need to know about God. So as the light of the world, what does that look like? So God's light came into you, affected your, your rudimentary spirit, and all of a sudden, bam, light broke forth within you, and you became what we call uh, reconceived in God or born again. But that light didn't stop there. That light radiates beyond you because it obeys the property of spirit. It goes outside your physical body. So Jesus walking down the street 
Do you think people... Did you ever notice when someone who carries a lot of God walks in a room and you unconsciously turn your head toward them? What's going on there? Have you ever noticed that phenomenon? Even a a great man or woman of business or someone that's developed in God. What's going on? You notice you're picking up on their spirit, really. It's not their strength of soul, it's their spirit. So we started training people like your spirit already knows what your spirit is because it's made by God for God. It, it radiates outside of your body. It affects atmosphere. What does it say about light? It dispels darkness. It confounds darkness. Um, if I light a candle in a dark room, does it suddenly get smothered by light? No, it, it does what light does. So I started saying, all right, so let's play with that as little children. Hebrews 5.14 says, By reason of use you have your senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Let's try, by reason of use means literally, let's exercise. It's God's permission for us to exercise in the spirit. So your soul already knows what it is. Your soul or your spirit already knows it has incredible light. Your spirit already knows it has incredible ability to affect people. And so did Jesus when he said, you guys are light of the world. So we tell people, practice with your soul. Go into a Walmart and say, I'm letting out my light. Do it for 40 days and see what happens. I'm letting out my light. Walking through there and watch the head start looking toward you. And then... Quit the thing you do by ignoring them. Why am they looking at me? Begin to smile at them. How you doing? How's it going? See, what's happening is you begun to, you're, you're on this journey of realizing God is bigger than previously thought and that he's also bigger than previously thought within you. So you're doing, essentially you're doing evangelism according to the way. You're, you're touching them with light. They're going, oh, I felt that. You're touching them with a kind smile. That's a spirit touch. Then maybe you add words. Now, words are better used with tonality and voice inflection. Think mothers talking with babies. Oh, you cute little thing. How are you doing? Wonderful little baby. If you think in those terms, you begin to think in God terms. That's known as the nurturing of God, by the way. That's how God establishes, begins to establish base level personality of himself within children. So you begin to talk to people like, hey, smile him. Hey, good morning. How's it going? Rough night last night? Sorry. And then... So that's the third God, God touch. And then you got the, the fourth one I call is the laying on of hands. Well, you call it a handshake. <laughs> Intentionality is everything. <laughs> when you're loaded with God, when you're preloaded with God and you begin to realize that, hey, I'm a son very much loved. I'm the light of the world. So a hand on the shoulder to someone that needs it and hasn't been touched all week. 
or maybe an abused woman who's never had a healthy male touch suddenly has a an impartation come their way. And I'm serious as a heart attack about a handshake. Hey, how are you? Feel that? <laughs> so what are you doing? Operating in the way you're establishing a presence. This was what God smells like, tastes like, feels like. We're we are God's representatives on earth. He custom designed us. How many, how many people came to the Lord through a tract? Some people don't even know what a tract is. Praise God. <laughs> Back in the 70s, 80s, they used to hand these things out like, just read it and come to Jesus because you're a sinner. How many came to the Lord because they knew someone that really knew him and they were your friends? And it somehow affected you. Also, how many were affected by somebody knew the Lord, but it just brought you to a next level? Till there was a tipping. See, that's the way it almost always works. So what if we get so soaked in this way, like, God, what are you doing now? What are your ways? What's appropriate at the moment? This is where it gets, I'm, you know, I'm an artist. I make furniture, I make jewelry. I've always thought, I, I, I mean, I can't even come up with a decent set of sermon notes because each one has to be original. I, mean, I have stacks of <laughs> sermons at home and the Lord says, just leave them home, you know you're not going to use them. So I approach God that way. And you know, even John Wimber says, you have this Holy Spirit tool belt. You should be use, have these gifts. Be proficient in them. A ask God about them. See how creative they are. But the heart and soul and core of it is the way of Jesus. What was his manner? What was his day-to-day? -day? You know, kept his purity. A sea, a ship in the sea is wonderful. The sea in the ship is all wrong. So we go to Burning Man, and I need to mention this. We go to Burning Man with some really interesting, fun tools, and we'll use theatrics because they're all about dressing up crazy, so we started dressing up crazy. And, you know, we started handing out water, except we would be like barkers. Get your best water in the world, you know. We just, just, just think of anything in the spur of the moment. But the overriding thing is... We have convinced one another that we're light. Seriously, I, I just don't let people with this inferiority complex that we're less than light. You're going to join us? Are you a light? <laughs> you know, I don't really say it that way, but <laughs> are you going to be a mom and dad? Don't you want to hold babies and feed them? How good at you are uh, holding crying witches that are really bitter about men and so develop this whole anti-men rebellious religion thing really based on very flimsy stuff. How good are you at that? How good are you of being transparent and weeping with them that weep? That's the ways of God. So you understand, only through by reason of use can you understand the truths of Scripture. 
I'm not against the truths of Scripture. Only through experience. It's, Christianity is not a sit in the pew, sit in front of the TV, listen to... I love Christian CDs, but most of you should burn most of them. Because we're too addicted to learning the new thing, but never doing the new thing. Right? And again, I'm not against the essential information, but it's no good unless you do something with it. I always say to people, like Graham Cook would say, that you, you know, you hear 52 ser- life-changing sermons a year. <laughs> he says it very sarcastically. But what he, basically what he's saying, and I'll borrow a phrase from another friend of mine, Arthur Burke, who says, so what are you going to do Monday morning? What are you going to do along the way to make that truth real so you can become a life giver? And man, oh man, what this culture needs right now is life givers. Somebody to hold the broken. And everyone has a venue. Believe me, God's put you, I don't care if you're just a a single mom struggling to make it. You tend to know other single moms struggling to make it. You can be the life giver in your culture. Um, Just flip over to the Old Testament. I'll throw one more scripture at you. Exodus 33. Moses um, had his tent pitched outside a camp. Remember, Moses was communing with God, having intense communion with God. Uh, Moses was quite the father figure. He had, you know, he had Joshua hanging on his heels. Joshua was like always at the door. And I, I like to think Caleb was around there somewhere like, Moses, we want in what you know. So he had this fathering thing go, going for him. Very attractive. I read that. He's also the humblest man Jesus, or the Lord called him the humblest man that ever was. He was humble because he was always listening to God and going, God, you're bigger than previously thought. Too big, too small. God, you're bigger than previously thought. So God tries to make this deal with him like, listen, these Israelites, I'm not going in with you. I'm going to just send you into the promised land with an angel. And Moses because he's so humble and he hung out with God enough, he had this intimacy thing with God. He knows about power, but he knows more about intimacy. Now, most of us in our current culture generation of Christianity, we go, well, I'll take the angel. That sounds pretty good. I've been finding out a lot of cool things about angels. That, that's good enough. He says something else. He goes, well... He has three things he begins to present to the Lord. And starting with verse 13, he says, Now therefore, I pray and I have found grace in your sight. Show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And then God said, My presence will be with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not bring us up from here. And then the third thing Moses goes to, he says, now please show me your glory. Now, 
one of the things I, I've found problem in current culture and problem in our, in our charismatic mania stuff, and we've been profoundly embarrassed lately because we've, we've elevated gifts to such a degree that we've so forgotten the character, the holiness, the loveliness, the kindness of God, and it has gotten us in trouble to where us in the prophetic, in the gifting movement, in the charismatic movement, and the revelatory movement are profoundly embarrassed. And we've swung either the pendulum toward the way where we don't want gifts because we don't want to look like idiots, or we just did the pushback thing where well, we're just continuing on anyways because we see the truth. Gifts are in the Bible and we're going to do them. Moses, if Moses was around today, or let's put it this way, how many of us would say, I want the glory? I want the presence. And those are all good things. Moses, in his humility, chose the way. Moses, in his humility, put his priorities straight. He goes, God, the angel thing isn't going to quite work for you. I really want your presence to go with us. But base level, if I found grace in your sight, would you please show me more about your character, your nature, your holiness? I admit I don't really think like you think. My emotions are wonky. I'm not really lined up emotionally like you are. I don't have God consciousness. I lack wisdom. That's my priority. And then and only then will I really accept your presence to go fully with me. And then and only then do I want your glory. Because if I don't know your ways, if I don't know the path to get the way, that way, the line upon line, precept upon precept, learning your ways, being a carrier of your essence, realizing that I'm light, realizing that I'm a son of God, which is an awesome thing to carry, how in the world will I ever understand your angels, your presence, or your glory? Right? Make sense? Start simple. It's the little things that count. I was preaching a lot to our team. I go, don't let the little... God, God does, I, I love the complexity of God, but God will start with the little things. Like, you have moments of choice every day. What are you going to do? Stay in old ways of thinking? Or God might say, I want you to step out here. Are you light or not? Are you spirit or not? I am love, therefore, you as my son or daughter are love. Steps to getting to the way. You know, do you have your own private Gethsemane? Do you have a place where you can go to say, I don't think like you do? Would you show me how you think of how you see other people? Because I have to see that to be able to say, not my will, but your, your will be done. Do you have your private Gethsemane? Because there's so many things that are hard to forgive, and we're living in a culture that just can't forgive and, and is 
The match is set to anger right now. About, we're about to experience riots and race riots in the streets all over major cities and soon to come near you. Lawlessness. Do you have your own Gethsemane to be able to process the feelings of others, the understanding of others, and then say, Lord, I understand the pain. I can now intercede. I can now forgive. Little steps along the way. Um, witness is much more than a verb. It's a noun. It's a presence. Uh, again, back to Burning Man. About the third year at Burning Man, people were, we were being known for our love. We were being known for our judgmentalism, our non-judgmentalism. But I had at least three or four individuals come in the door of our encounter tent and they started saying things like, it's holy here. It's so pure here. It's so clean here. It's like undefiled here. How did you do that? And I'm looking around going, we have no sign on the door that says, we're the holy church. <laughs> Where did you get that? A presence, a way, right? Or another year they came up to us and they said, we have, I have demons, can you get rid of them? Now, we have a spiritual menu board, and the closest thing we have that even gets in that area is called an item called spiritual cleansing, non-religious language. But they voluntarily started coming in, at least three people that year, and said, I have demons, can you get rid of them? Why, yes, we can. Who told you we do that? Oh, we know you're Christians. Fine, okay, let us tell you how it works. And then you see if you want it. It is not an impossible culture there. I, I know that the sin level seems impossible, the, the, the obstacles seem impossible, but it's not an impossible. God's willing to do that. He still is and forever will be the way, the truth, and the life. So, if I close with prayer, okay with that. So, Father, I'm privileged to be in a deep well here. I'm the the five boxes of hankies just of Kleenexes just loom before my mind. What what release there was. What fallow ground there was and I took it as a symbol of the heart of what's been nurtured here and what's been planted here so Father I ask that you would move sovereignly in hearts you're a loving, loving God full of mercy you're also a holy God full of awe full of power that totally bolds, that totally just knocks away preconception. Lord, would you help us to synthesize, soften our hearts to bring those two together successfully? We need that, Father. 
I want to start a heart's cry in this community, in this well, in this depth, Lord. We want more of you. We must have more of you. The culture's ready for more of you. The culture's sitting. It's waiting. The, the schools are waiting to see more of you. The business community, corrupt as it is, says, I want more. The new age, the burners, the witches are saying, I want more. The fatherless generation. I was told that, that by, a, by an educator that half the children have no mother and father they're not even sure half of so many of them even come to school without lunches because they don't even have anybody to make lunches lord we have to have the synthesis of the holiness of god the presence of god the kindness of god all wrapped up into this wonderful light you said as part of us would you purify the light we repent for thinking of you as less than and thinking of ourselves as less than. We're crying out loud, God. It's time. It's time. It's time. Those of you that have the courage, I just release this prayer. Lord, make us mothers and fathers in this awful void. I guarantee you it will be the joy set before us if we embrace that call. We will totally ignore the pain and embrace the joy set before us if we embrace the call to grow up, to be the moms and dads who embrace the unlovely, to be vulnerable, to take the risk. It might even involve spinning around the young woman on her shoulders and setting her down seeing the impossible come to pass. Thank you, Father. You're a good God. You have our best interests in heart. You're not surprised by these times. In fact, we are made for these times. The Spirit of God is being poured out by all flesh. And guess what? Most of the flesh doesn't understand it. Here we are, God. Send us. We have the answers. We are the answers. In Jesus' name, amen. As a, as a pastor, um, you know, you can't, you can't be in this business without... without getting your heart broken again and again and again. And one of the things that I think has broken my heart more than anything else is how poor our models have been. When I say poor, I don't mean that they've all had behave badly though some of them have and given us a, a, a very inaccurate picture of who God is but when I say poor 
models, sometimes it's because we got to a point and said, I'm pretty safe with that. I feel pretty good about that. And then we just, we stopped. It, it didn't go anywhere else. Those of you who've known me, some of you have been here for six plus years that we, Linda and I have been here, know that I wrestle with this on a regular basis. Because I want us to be the most credible witnesses that Reno has ever seen. But we come at that with poor models. It's hard to be credible with poor models. And so we kind of have to stir the spirit within our own lives and within our own church so that I don't guess I need the model so much as I really just need to be informed by the Holy Spirit as to what it is I'm living in and who I'm supposed to be and what we are really doing here. John wrote of Jesus in his introduction to Jesus. He said, in him is life. And his life is the light of men. And the light shined in darkness. And the darkness couldn't comprehend it, couldn't get it, couldn't overwhelm it, couldn't overtake it. And I guess of all the things that Rod said this morning, that if we could begin to become the light in our city, that's something amazing, like Jesus could begin to break out and we wouldn't have to worry about our models anymore because be ourselves the way that God made us to be um, I don't know how all this landed on you today some of it might have just been a kerplop you know and you got a lot of things to think about Maybe it stirred you, you wandered in and you're, you're here for whatever reasons and you don't know us very well and you're going, you know, what was that? I appreciated the picture of the rabbis and the facets of the diamond because that's kind of the exploration that we are on here to just see, I, I want to see God, but I want to see him in as many ways as I can. I don't want one version of him to satisfy me. And so, where, however it landed on you, I want you to just take it right there. Don't try to make it any more or any less. Some of you have challenged you, it pushed you. You know this stuff and you've not been living there. And I, I don't want you to be guilty, I just want you to go back. Some of you, you're not even sure if what he talked about makes sense and if it's reality, you've come from a whole other paradigm. I just want you to, you know, I, I want you to at least consider it and think about it because I certainly agree with Rob on this. This world no longer 
needs an inaccurate picture of our Savior. They've had that long enough. They need to be reinformed about a God who is desperately in love with them, who has done desperate things to reach them, but who has a church who's not desperate enough to begin to let that happen. So I, I, you know, I don't even feel like calling you to the altar today, though some of you probably want some prayer. There are lots of people around who know how to do that and will do that for you. We'd be glad to minister to your needs. But I want you to take wherever this message landed on you, even if it might have upset you a little bit or excited you a little bit, start right there. Start on that spot where it hit you and start working. My father, with all of his old oaky sayings, used to say, if you threw a rock into a pack of dogs, you can always tell the one you hit. Because he's always the one making the most noise. So wherever this land, or whatever make, is making noise in your ear, would you start right there? Because that's probably the place where God wants to arrest you and hold you and begin to inform you as to who he really is in your life. Might be a good place to start. As we close, um, I want to, I'll tell you a little of this next week, but I, I promised somebody in Cuba $3,000. Um, I hope you don't mind because I was talking about you when I did it. <clears throat> but it's just one of those amazing, uh, one of those amazing stories of God's intervention in a place that there are, there are several levels of churches that are allowed to exist and the, and the lowest level and the one that's always in the most danger of, of the state stepping in and just pulling and taking everything away are the house churches. This, this time last week I was preaching in a house church and uh, my brother Mudardo, so I've had to work on that name. Um, the week before that I was in another church but had been a tremendous harassment by a neighbor and by the state and uh, awful things including a beating a public beating the pastor took from this guy next door hoping he would react so that they could arrest the pastor so he didn't react and instead the guy who had put cooked all this up got arrested change things but the the favor has turned such that now the property of the man that was harassing them giving them so much trouble and getting them state involved has offered the property for sale and the state has said if you will buy it we will make you an official church and we will leave you alone from now on and they have no idea what happened because just weeks before they were still in danger of losing everything. They came in on a regular basis. They knew there were spies and the, you know, and on and on. And I said, $3,000, we can do $3,000. I would do $3,000. So next week, over and above your regular offerings and tithes, come prepared to buy a little bit of terra firma in Cuba because we're gonna help our brothers and sisters become a church that's not going to be harassed any longer. All right? 
This also want to say, however the Lord landed on you, there's how if you don't feel good, if you feel great, there's birthday cake outside. Uh, this was purchased for Jenny Snyder, I understand, and I think, as I understand, it says on it, "Happy 30th birthday." And uh, so <clears throat> she's finally broken that barrier. How many of you are thankful you were here this morning? How many of you got messed with, got messed with just a little bit? I think this message landed on me a little differently than it might have three weeks ago. Um, yeah, good, that's exactly right. God, we are so grateful for a kindness that has kept us when, Lord, we just didn't get you. We had no idea how you were pursuing us. We had no clue how you loved us. God, when you say you want to fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, you're talking about the immediacy of the light of God, the availability of a God who not only wants to just renew us and refresh us, put some things in our pockets we didn't have before, but God who would, who would actually allow us to become the light of the world that, that confounds the darkness of this age. What a calling, Lord, rests on our shoulders. Lord, I pray that wherever this hit us this morning, wherever it landed, that God in that place, you will begin to put down roots. Lord, that you will begin to drive hard. Lord, the, the taproot of your grace, of your provision, that you drive the taproot deep into the light and life of our Savior. And that God, what begins to be born in the fruit and the leaves of our tree, of our lives, Lord, begins to heal the nations. Lord, thank you for Reno. Thank you for the darkness that's here and the confusion and the brokenness that's in our city. Because that, Lord, is what cannot comprehend what you wish to do and are doing in your people. We have something to do. We have a place to be and a calling to deeply disturb what has been the status quo, but to do it out of the kindness and mercy and compassion of our God. Thank you, Father, for the week that's ahead of us. Lord, bless your people in it. Let us, Lord, be the light in Walmart and Target or wherever we happen to shop. We thank you, Father, for grace upon grace, a goodness upon goodness. Thank you, Lord. Help us to get in order, to get in order, to get in order the way and the truth and the life in, Lord, in order that we might see your glory. Thank you, Father. Bless 
Rob and Katie and all the places you've called them and all that they do. Father, in provision and with wider and deeper understanding, with even better open doors, Lord, we ask that you bless them, Lord, and send them home encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week.